and welcome to Why Do We Do That, a psychology podcast that deconstructs human behavior from the perspectives of social scientists, psychologists, and others that use applied psychology in their work. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Moyer. In this episode, I sat down with Liesl Sharabi to discuss online dating. Liesl is an associate professor in the Hugh Downs School of Human Communication and director of the Relationships and Technology Lab at Arizona State University. Her research broadly focuses on the ways communication technologies are used to develop and dissolve interpersonal relationships. And most of her work deals with how people meet, date, and fall in love on online dating sites and mobile dating apps. Her work has appeared in a variety of edited volumes and peer-reviewed journals, as well as in media outlets such as the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, the Boston Globe, Time Magazine, Wired, and the BBC. She's also spoken about dating apps on radio programs and podcasts like Wireframe, NPR Marketplace, the Wall Street Journal Tech News Briefing, and the Harvard Data Science Review. Finally, you can read about her research in her Psychology Today blog entitled Dating in the Digital Age. Liesl and I touched on a wide variety of topics related to online dating. One takeaway I had was that it can be very helpful to learn about how different dating apps work before diving in and searching for a partner. Just like any web-based service, online dating apps want to connect you with people that are good matches, but at the same time, they also want you to use their product as much as possible. Knowing some of their tactics can help you be more efficient about how you navigate the platforms. We also discussed the importance of authenticity and expectations on dating apps, as well as differences in the challenges faced by men versus women. The actual day-to-day experiences on these apps can be completely different for men and women. And one of the greatest advantages you can have over the competition is to be aware of these differences. Lastly, I hope our conversation leaves you feeling empowered to try out these services if you are in fact single and interested in exploring online dating as an option. While online dating provides unique challenges that can be undesirable at times, there is a ton of value in being able to connect with thousands of people in your area and beyond with similar dating goals, as well as having the opportunity to learn a collection of details about someone before investing time and energy into building a relationship. Enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Liesl Sharabi. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, So I'm very excited uh, because today we're going to be talking about online dating. And uh, it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart personally, because I've spent the the better part of uh of the 20 2010s and uh even the past few years participating in online dating myself so i have lots of questions for you uh liesel has done uh, a lot of work looking at uh at online dating and sort of the the paths that people take in online dating as well as uh some of some work looking at at the algorithms Uh, we're going to get into everything uh today hopefully if we have time uh, why don't we start uh, by 
just differentiating the uh, the challenges and the process of online dating versus uh, traditional dating scenarios. Online dating, I mean, it's really a fundamentally different experience than meeting somebody face to face because in online dating, you're not being introduced to another person. You're being introduced to a profile. And so you have a lot of information about somebody up front before you even decide whether you would be interested in approaching them for a conversation or not. And so from there, there's lots of text-based communication back and forth that, again, is a big difference compared to how we used to meet people the old-fashioned way. And then just the algorithms and the uh, way that these platforms sometimes intervene in the process to help you identify a partner I mean, that's huge because now we have technology that's really acting as an intermediary, whereas before it used to be like our friends and our family, and now we're relying on computers to help us make, in some cases, the most important decision we'll ever make, which is about who we're going to spend our lives with. Yeah, you, you, you forget that sometimes that you're served up a profile one at a time and um, some of the newer you know, the newer versions, your, your bumbles and hinges and tinders compared to the older ones, it's got, has, we have the swipe culture. So you're, you're getting, you're getting profiles served up. It's probably refreshing every time you, you, you close it and come back on. If you, if you've been off it for a few days or for a week, maybe it's, it's, it's going to treat you differently and serve you, you know, different quality profiles. Um, let's talk about these algorithms a little bit more. Do you think that they're worth paying attention to? So certain apps will serve you up. Custom, they'll say, uh, this is a compatible match. This is a compatible profile for you. You know, my default was always that this is just an attempt to create the illusion of personalization, which is, you know, we've, we've handpicked this person just for you. And their goal is just making you happy that, that, you know, you feel satisfied getting served up someone that's compatible, but in, in your view, like, is there, is there value to these algorithms? I think that there is definitely value in the sense that they're giving you a piece of information, just like any other piece of information you get in a profile. So your compatibility score, like it's just one data point that you could use to evaluate somebody. And I think that they can be very helpful for getting a sense of like what you might have in common with somebody if your profiles line up, maybe even if they answered questions the way that you said you wanted somebody to. I think where the problem arises is when platforms really oversell what they're capable of. Mm. So I definitely don't think this should be the sole piece of information that you're using to determine compatibility with somebody or even necessarily to eliminate somebody from your dating pool. Because at the end of the day, we don't really know how these algorithms work. They are essentially black boxes. They're proprietary. And so because we don't know how they work, we don't know if they work, it makes it really difficult for researchers to actually test them. And so, I mean, going back to what you said, some of my own work has found that a lot of the reason that they might be effective is just a placebo effect where people have big expectations of what they're able to do. 
And I think it makes sense, you know, you're going to online dating because maybe you haven't had good luck choosing partners on your own in the past. So it can be really tempting to just surrender some of that decision-making to an algorithm. But, um, you know, when you do that and you really believe that this algorithm knows who's right for you, I think that that helps you open yourself up to somebody who maybe you might not have considered before. And for that reason, I've shown people can be a lot more effective and successful in online dating when they buy into the idea that these things work. And also I think they adjust their behaviors. So I found people disclose more, they share more about themselves. They do things that we know tend to make you more successful in relationships. So in that sense, it might not be so much that it was the compatibility that the platform identified. It's more your expectations and how those affected the way you behave towards somebody that ultimately led you into a relationship later. Yeah. Yeah, they. You, you can tell after spending a, just a little bit of time on these dating apps that they they really want you to feel good about what's happening. So you know, you see the uh, you know the compatibility scores. You know, you're a ninety three percent. You know, OK Cupid was famous for having these percentage matches, and you know, you see that, and you're like, it it has this tendency to make you feel that there's someone out there for you if if prior to that you were doubtful, yeah. right? And so you, you see this in the algorithms or there, um, what, you know, what are some other examples of ways that the, that the apps sort of um, cater to you in the sense that they make, make it fun, make it interesting to you to, to stay involved in the process? Yeah, I mean, that's something that dating apps have done differently from some of the more traditional sites. And it's something that's really helped them appeal to younger users, like college age students that I have are now, I mean, they're all on dating apps because they figured out how to gamify the process. So dating can feel like a lot of work. It can involve a lot of labor, but when you're able to make it fun um, for people that helps keep them active and engaged. And so on a lot of these apps, you're swiping and then you're matching. And when you match, you win, like you've won the game. Mm -hmm. And so people want to have lots of wins. They want to accumulate lots of matches. And so I think that's helped to make the process a lot more engaging and a lot more fun. And it's allowed them to pick up a lot more new users. Um, yeah. And in doing that, I mean, all of these apps, they're using algorithms, even if they're not necessarily giving you a compatibility score, like in order to take all of those profiles and narrow them down and figure out who to show you, they have to have some way of doing that. So even if you're not seeing like a percentage score on somebody's profile, the app has somehow determined that of all the people on their platform, this is a person who would be good to recommend to you. I mean, it's not random that you're seeing somebody's profile. It's also, they're also very sneaky in the sense of what the app does after you've sort of initially sort of, let's just say swipe left. So for those that aren't familiar with on, online dating, swipe right is the equivalent of, I like this person. Swipe left is the equivalent of, I'm not interested. Um, but we all know that there are only so many profiles in a local area. And so for some people that go on to online dating, it can take, you know, maybe even a week and you're kind of already through a lot of the active profiles, depending on how big your city is. And I've had conversations with, with people who put filters up, you know, I only want to be matched with somebody that's within 50 miles. And then they'll get served somebody and they'll start 
messaging them and they'll realize, oh, they're oh, they're halfway across the state. And I, I always tell them, it's like, yeah, they're not just going to say we're out of people at some point. They're not going to say there's nobody left within 50 miles. They're going to keep sort of, you know, giving you options and, you know, going beyond your filters. But you as the user, you might not realize that they're going to go beyond that that limit, right? Yeah. And what's interesting, I mean, in some of the research I've done, I've found that people will sometimes also adjust their search radius strategically where it's like, okay, I feel like I've exhausted the options in my area or I'm not liking what I'm seeing. So I'm going to look a little bit farther out from where I live. I'm going to increase the radius and see if I can expand my pool a little bit. And I actually, I did a study recently where I was interested in the success stories. So people who ended up in long-term relationships from online dating. So I was asking myself, like, who does this work for? I mean, you hear of all the burnout and all the negative experiences, like who is having good luck on these platforms? And something I found is that a lot of the people who I interviewed for that study were in long distance relationships because they ended up finding a partner who lived in a different city in a different state, one person met somebody in a different country, and they were able to get to know them because of the technology, um, you know, from a distance, and they ended up moving to be closer to that person eventually. And so it's really fascinating how people are able to overcome some of the limitations that used to exist related to distance because of online dating. I mean, 100 years ago, people were marrying people who lived in the same neighborhood as them. And now it's it's like you're able to meet somebody in a different state and have a relationship. I mean, when you think about it, it, it's just such a significant change from how things used to be before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so do you actually think that it's an effective strategy to, you know, based on your work? To, I mean, th- would it make sense to say that that it's an effective strategy to reconsider you know long-term matches or is that is that going too far i think it depends on what your goals are so with the people who i was interviewing for that study these were people who ended up in serious long-term relationships and i think if that's your goal then distance might matter less it might be more about okay is this the right person for me and not so much about where do they happen to live I think if you are more casual, just looking to date around, see what's out there, you might not be willing to drive three hours to meet somebody. And it honestly might not be a good use of your time. So, I mean, I think it really depends. And it probably also depends on where you live and what the dating pool looks like in your area. You know, if you're in a small town where you kind of know everybody already and the dating app is just showing you the same people who you encounter just going about your day-to-day routine. Like that's a really different experience than if you live in a big city and you're going to naturally just be seeing new profiles all the time. Okay. So let's, let's get into the process of online dating. So let's talk about setting up your profile. So you finally, you've, you've debated for upwards of a year with your friends, you've been telling them you're going to set up your profile. uh, And you finally get to the point where it is it is time to fill out those details. Uh, There's lots of, you know, you've got pictures to consider, you've got content, you've got communicating your relationship goals. Um, What would some what would be some of the things that you start thinking about 
that are important when you're setting up that profile for the first time? This is the fun part. And it's also mm -hmm. just the overwhelming part of the whole experience. I mean, I think overall, the big thing to keep in mind is that you want to be honest in your profile, which, you know, I think for most people, they're not going out there saying, okay, I'm going to intentionally mislead somebody. I think most people want to be honest, but sometimes when you're sitting there and you have the opportunity to choose your favorite picture of yourself and to write whatever you want to describe yourself it can be easy to kind of oversell ourselves to choose a photo that maybe like is an outlier in terms of not really looking like how we look today. And so when you do that, you might get a lot of matches and you're going to get a lot of first dates, but you might not get as many second dates because people might feel like you misled them, even if that wasn't necessarily your goal. Yeah. So I think it's important to be honest. Um, in yeah, I've seen, I, especially, you know, it, it, it's fascinating because, uh, you know, having, you know, messaged people and met up with them, uh, you do see a lot of deception. It is, it, it's, it's, I would say it's, there's a lot more deception than you would expect going into it. And it's not even conscious deception necessarily. I mean, you know, everyone has a year, you know, five years ago, six years ago, maybe two years ago, where they liked how they looked then. And so that's what they want to represent on their profile. But, you know, as you mentioned, like, what's the end game? Because you, you what you can't sustain that once you meet in person, you're, you're going to be the person that you are not the person that you self presented online. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of astounding that, that people are willing to sort of, uh, perhaps, you know, self-deceive in order to be happy with the whole process. Absolutely. And like you said, I think a lot of people aren't even aware that they're doing it. Um, Nicole Ellison at the university of Michigan has some really interesting research where she's looked at deception and online dating and found that a lot of this is because people just don't necessarily see themselves accurately. So it's not that they're trying to mislead people. It's that the image they're presenting to them, like it feels honest, like this is who they want to be and how they see themselves and other people look at it and they're like, that's not who I was expecting to meet. And I think that this is actually a really big problem in online dating because it leads to people spending tons of time swiping, talking, matching, and then they're getting to the stage where they're going on first dates and nothing is happening beyond that. And they're just coming back to the apps. And so, I mean, it's really, really important that you present yourself in a way that you're comfortable with that presents the best version of you, the best side of yourself, but also that isn't one that is going to catch people by surprise when they actually meet you. So I, I have sort of my, my pet tips that I give, I give people for, you know, sort of the images they put up, you know, make them nice and clear, you know, have at least one full body picture, have at least one picture doing an activity uh, that you enjoy, uh, you know, maybe something with friends to kind of signal that you're sociable. Um, do you have any other thoughts about what you're trying to achieve in the in the picture portion of your profile? 
Yeah, the picture portion is really the most important part, especially if you're using a dating app, not necessarily because everybody just wants to know how physically attractive you are, but more that it's the first thing people are going to see. And it's the biggest part of the profile. It's what people are mainly swiping on. So I think that you want pictures, like you said, that really clearly show what you look like and that would be, that would make you recognizable. Like when you did actually meet somebody, would they know what you looked like based on the picture? Would you have to describe what you were wearing, where you're sitting? Like you want a photo that's going to be true to reality. Um, I think also pictures that support things that you say about yourself in your bio can be really helpful. Just kind of establishing your credibility that the way you're describing yourself is accurate. So for example, if you say you're a big skier, that you're really great at it, that you've been doing it for a long time, like maybe show a picture of yourself doing that activity. So people really can see that, okay, this person's describing themselves in a way that seems pretty accurate. Um, and also just allowing your pictures to give people some context for what it would be like to actually meet you, hang out with you, maybe even be in a relationship with you. Like, what do you like to do? Where do you like to spend your time? So that context in photos can really help a lot. And when it comes to the friend pictures, it's tricky because you want to be social and you want people to see you know, the types of people you spend time with. And at the same time, you also want to make sure people know which one is you. Um, and so being careful to show that, you know, this is your friend group, but they would be able to easily recognize you in that picture. And also, I think sometimes people have a great photo of themselves with an X and they really want to use it. So they just chop that person out of the picture. Avoid doing that. Like people can tell when you've when you've done something like that yeah. and it raises you have one you can see the when you, when you see that shoulder when you see one of the shoulders up that's that's the red flag that that's an X a, was cut out yeah a huge red flag that you definitely want to avoid um uh so how about the content um you know certain I, i've noticed that a lot of the apps are kind of uh limiting the text which is uh, it's, it probably causes it probably helps people with the stress of creating their profile if, if they know that they have to fit text within a certain uh, character limit. Mm -hmm. um, I know Hinge is is very popular, at least uh, amongst the, the the my social group. Um, they sort of give prompts, um, but um, what are your thoughts on on good content? So, in terms of the content, I mean, I think that this part is. It's also a part that people struggle with because it kind of feels like you're putting together a resume, a resume of, you know, would you want to date me based on the information I'm putting out there? And so it can be kind of stressful to think about what you would include yeah. in something like that. But the big thing you want to do here is tell people about yourself and also give them a sense of the kind of partner that you're looking for. I think that it can help if you're specific um, whenever possible. So for instance, if you like to travel that's really great to know about you. And at the same time, a lot of people in online dating like to travel. So like, what are some unique qualities that you can also highlight that are going to really make you stand out? 
Something else that people do with the best profiles that I've seen is that they make it really easy for people to start a conversation with them. So mm. I think sometimes like people read your profile, they'll be really interested and they don't really know what to say to you to get the conversation going. Yeah. So as an example, I'm, you know, really into coffee. I consume a lot of caffeine. And so if I were setting up my profile, I might say something like I'm always looking for the best coffee shop in Phoenix. So that way, if somebody wanted to start a conversation with me, they could give me a recommendation and that could be their opening line. And so you just make it really easy for people to engage with you when you include almost like a call to action in your profile. So they know what they would need to say to start a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 a great uh, that's a great piece of advice, um, and it also got me thinking about going back to the honesty piece and being authentic in your profile. You know, um, you, you know, sometimes, like for example, uh, you know, you you might want to say that you're very active in in your profile or something like that, or post a picture of you, you know, climbing a wall or something, you know, doing some athletic athletic activity. Um, in, in other cases, you might have a picture of yourself traveling, but, um, that honesty piece is important because, you know, you don't want to present something that you're not and in, in many different ways, because, you know, I could think that my profile is better if I show how athletic I am, or I report that I exercise all the time, but, you know, that just means that I'm going to be matched with people that think that I'm an athlete and that that might cause some friction once we once we actually meet up and you start to get to know each other. And you also see it with um, like so sometimes you'll see, I'll, I'll, I'll come across female profiles and, uh, you know, they're I would say a low percentage of them are women that are wearing their bathing suits, like a two piece bathing suit. <laughs> and you know, part of me thinks like, are, are you, tr are you trying to signal to like really masculine guys to reach out to you? Because that's the impression I get as sort of a passive kind of guy. Like I'm, I'm actually kind of intimidated by some of these profiles. And I always tell people that you catch what you bait for. Uh, could you talk a little bit about, about certain you know, signals that you might send off and how you ha might have to be careful based on, on how you're constructing your profile. Absolutely. And I think this is what's so hard about figuring out how to present yourself, because on the one hand, you're presenting who you are. And on the other hand, you're also trying to attract a certain type of person. And I think sometimes people know I want to attract somebody really good looking, really athletic. So then they think I also need to present myself that way yeah. if I want to attract that kind of person. And, you know, you have to be careful doing that. So if you present an image of yourself as somebody really outdoorsy who likes to go hiking every weekend and hit the gym every day at 5 a.m., then you better be ready to do that when you do <laughs> actually catch a partner, bring somebody in who's going to expect that that is who you are because that's what they want and that's what they do as well. So, I mean, you know, you always have to be thinking about who is the type of person that this profile is going to attract while at the same time making sure that you're still being true to yourself because you could attract exactly what you're looking for. But if you're having to really misrepresent yourself in order to do that, like 
I think you're setting yourself up for a situation where things aren't going to work out in the long run because mm-hmm. you're not going to want to have to be somebody or not for someone every day. And so it's another situation where I think the honesty element becomes really, really important. And it might mean that you match less, but at least when you match, it's going to be with people who know who you are and, you know, you know who they are and you at least have like a good foundation moving forward. Now we've, we've been talking about, about sort of principles that are probably equally applicable, applicable across men and women, but the online dating experience is fundamentally different for men versus women. And for the sake of this conversation, we'll stick to sort of heterosexual matching. Um, It's very different in the sense that uh, I would say the number one thing is probably the volume of uh, incoming messages. That's probably one of the big things. Um, why don't we why don't we dive in to these these experiences and how they're different for men and women? we'll We'll start with women. Could you just sort of paint a picture as to the uh, you know the the day to day, the uh, week to week of online dating for women? what What is that like to navigate? Yeah. So when we're talking about heterosexual markets, there can be a really big gender imbalance on a lot of these platforms where you've got a lot more men and far fewer women for them to match with. And so what that looks like for women is that they're often getting contacted a lot. They're getting a lot of attention. They're getting a lot of matches, a lot of messages And I think when you first sign up, it can be a really great feeling to know that there's so many options there and so many people you might want to go on dates with, but give it a few weeks, a few months, and it all starts to get very overwhelming where people are getting contacted a lot. And in some cases, they're getting more messages than they can handle or that they have time to respond to. And so they start to ghost and they start to flake and they start to not respond to people. Um, And so you have a situation, and again, this can vary on the platform because platforms have different, you know, user demographics and different Mm -hmm. ratios, but a lot of times it just means that women are, are getting a lot of messages and in some cases getting overwhelmed. Yeah. And, you know, it, it clearly sort of underscores the importance for women to in order to be successful to maintain high standards like when you have that influx if you don't have high standards you're going to burn out it's almost inevitable i feel like yeah right yeah yeah and it puts women in the situation where i mean sometimes the only thing you can really do is just not respond to people and to kind of ghost and You know, you've got a lot of options, which means that it might not be worth your time to talk to everybody. And so it um, it it creates a really interesting dynamic on some of these platforms. Like I said, I I think some are worse with this than others. So it just depends. Yeah. Uh, Okay. so so let's sort of look at the experience for men. Right. for for men, they're now challenged with. Uh, for most of the apps, they are the 
going to be the first point of contact. They're going to be the first person to, uh, to reach out. And now that we know that women tend to have these, you know, the, the more, more people, um, trying to get dates with them, uh, it really makes it important to stand out, uh, for the men in that, in that message. So do, do you have any tips for, for what men need to do in order to increase their chances of, uh, of, of not being, of, of not being lost in the shuffle? Yeah. I mean, a lot of men complain about not getting responses. So they're sending a lot of messages and they're not getting a lot of replies. And yeah. on some of these platforms, like the response rates can sometimes be like 30%, like 30% of your messages are actually getting replies, which oh, that can... would be great. I wish it was, I wish it was 30%. <laughs> yeah, I would have I'm... to say it's closer to 10. <laughs> and that's frustrating, right? Yeah. Like, that, and it, it makes people wonder what they do need to do to stand out and to actually get people to start replying. And so people approach this differently. So sometimes people's response to that is to just send more messages. So they'll like come up with a great opener they'll copy and paste it and they'll just send it to everybody. So then they figure, okay, I'm not investing a lot of time because I know they're probably not going to respond but it's actually like the opposite of what you want to do, because if somebody reads a message and it seems like you don't know who they are and like you didn't read their profile, that also doesn't give them much incentive to actually respond to it. Um, I also hear of people just swiping um, right on everybody and mm -hmm. thinking, okay, I'll just see who matches with me and who messages. And another, I mean, that's another example of doing something that is probably not going to be in your best interest in the long run, because then you're telling the algorithm that you're not very selective in who you swipe on. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that a better strategy is to spend time like reading somebody's profile, figuring out what it is about them that you find compelling, and then actually articulating that to the person. And I think when somebody sends you a message where it's clear that they're really interested and that they really took the time to read more about you, I think that that is more likely to get a response than something that looks like it's been copied and pasted to a lot of people, or even just a lot of people just say, hey, something yeah. very generic that you would say to anybody. I mean, what is how is somebody supposed to respond to that, right? Um, yeah, I, so I've, I've talked to a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of females that I've, I've spoken to have, have said that, um, it, 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 it's incredible how many, you know, howdies or Hey, Hey, and stuff like that, or Hey, beautiful, um, <laughs> that they get. And, and I mean, to the point where, uh, women are putting on their profile, like, you know, I hope you read, uh, you know, what are you looking for? Someone that actually reads this entire profile type thing. Yeah. 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 Because when you do that, there's just no indication that you even know who you've sent this message to. And so when it seems like they didn't put in the time, I think it makes it also hard for somebody else to want to put time into a response, but it's common. Like a lot of people do that. I also think um, for men are use, who are using these platforms, who are encountering this and getting frustrated by like low response rates, I think it is helpful to know that it's not necessarily just you. Like this is a phenomenon. It's something that happens in online dating. And also 
again, I mean, different platforms have different ratios, men to women. So like, if you're really having issues with this on one platform, I'd suggest trying something else and seeing if you have a different experience yeah. on another app. Yeah. I, <laughs> I always tell people it's the statistical equivalent of attempting to win the lottery. I mean, you are navigating profiles, you're sending messages. At some point, it does become, in many many cases, it does feel like work. I mean, I've been on the apps for for you know about a decade, and and yeah, sometimes it it, it feels like work, and you really have to mentally prepare for the uh, for the lows for the for for these moments where you feel like you're not getting anywhere but you know in the back of your head right it, if you buy a, a lottery ticket and you don't win you don't really get bummed out about it but for some reason if you send a message to someone on 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 an online dating site and they don't reply back you get kind of bent out of shape and it, it's to me part of it is losing perspective on the sheer statistical unlikelihood that you're, you know, it's possible, but you know, it's going to take time and patience before you actually, you know, connect with somebody. Absolutely. And I think it, it's good for people to be aware of this because also I think when people are trying online dating for the first time, they're really excited and they're really looking forward to being able to meet lots of new people. And they go into this process feeling very enthusiastic but the reality, I mean, it's work and it takes time. And sometimes it takes months, it takes years. Like people spend a lot of time cycling on and off of these platforms before they end up meeting somebody. And so knowing that that happens to people, I think can also just help, uh, I guess, set expectations for what the process could end up looking like. Yeah. So um, an interesting part of the online dating process relates to uh, this, um, uh, the amount of self-disclosure that's going on. And it's fundamentally very different in online dating versus traditional dating. With traditional dating, you sort of have this natural cadence for building intimacy, where you go on a date, you have some small talk, you know, by date three, you're, you're talking about family. And at some point, you know, you start getting into the bigger questions, right? Uh, you know, do you want to have children? Maybe some of your deeper political views, maybe even, even to the point of like talking about sexual preferences and stuff like that, like what you, what, what you like in the bedroom, not orientation. Um, but online dating makes it a little bizarre because you can signal some of this stuff in your profile. Like you can put, you know, you want to have kids, what are your political views in your profile? And it's, to me, it's very weird because a lot of these things are just sort of naturally meant to be discovered over time. Do you think that like this is having a net negative or, or maybe even a net positive effect on the process of getting to know someone? This is an interesting question because in a lot of ways, online dating flips the script from what we're used to, where it used to be that you would meet somebody and then you would start getting to know them. And there would be this process of disclosure and revealing yourself to that person. Whereas now 
you get to know a lot about them up front before you have maybe ever even had a conversation. So you just go in knowing a lot about someone. And sometimes this information is information that you wouldn't normally know until you'd been dating for maybe six months or a year. And so I would say like 10 years ago, I mean, when I first started studying online dating, I heard from people who would say that it was kind of uncomfortable knowing this much information about someone. And they didn't know, you know, when you meet for the first time, are you supposed to bring it up? Or are you supposed to act like you don't know, even if it was in their profile, like they didn't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, you know, when I've done research, looking at how people manage all of that information, I mean, they point to how it helps them reduce uncertainty and how it gives them something to talk about. So I think perhaps people have gotten more used to the idea of having access to profiles and knowing a lot about people just from being socialized through, you know, social media and spending more time online that maybe they've gotten more used to it. I've also had people tell me that having access to some of those deeper disclosures was helpful because it gave them answers to questions that they don't think they maybe ever would have been comfortable asking. And so it kind of, the platform did the work for them by having that profile field for somebody to fill out. And so I've had people say, you know, I asked questions or I had information that most people should have, but I don't know if I would have ever asked for it. And so I think it can be really helpful for people, but sometimes it is a little bit a little bit strange of a feeling where you know some really deep, deep information about somebody and you haven't even decided if you want to reach out to them yet, but you know so much just from reading their profile. Another weird thing about this that I tend to see in conversation is there's this risk of sort of, you know, in your profile, just saying like, you know, I, I, want someone that is ready for children. Uh, I don't want a Trump supporter, right? These two sort of, you know, things that either they're communicating in their profile or they're adamantly looking at in other profiles. You know, if they see any, if, if they see conservative, for example, it's an immediate swipe left. And what's bizarre to me is I feel like this is sort of a dangerous game that you're playing because I would argue that if you were just randomly meeting people and getting to know them, that you wouldn't swipe left on somebody that labeled themselves unconservative if you met them in person. You'd chat with them, you get to know them, you like them. And then later on, you find out that they, you know, ticked the Republican box, for example. And in traditional relationships, like, you know, there, there are more options because you're not immediately putting up that X and you're, you're not ignoring people because they tick that political box that you disagree with. Um, I don't know if you, if you feel the same way, if, if they're sort of limiting the number of options because they're so adamant about reading into the details and the, and, and the preferences of the other person. Yeah. And I agree that you have to be careful with that because sometimes also, I mean, when these platforms set up profiles, sometimes they actually give you specific prompts that they want you to address. And they kind of tell you what sorts of information to share about yourself. 
And so I think we assume that because they're asking, that must be information that's important for evaluating somebody. And I don't think that's always the case because at the end of the day, these platforms, they're search and recommendation engines. And so to this, in the sense that they can put you into categories, it makes it easier for them to show profiles to you and to figure out who to recommend. But people are complex. And when you meet somebody just out there in day-to-day life, I mean, normally you're getting a sense of them through having a conversation and you're getting a sense of like, do they make me laugh? Are they nice? You know, how are they treating the waiter at the restaurant that we're at? Like you look at things like that and that's information that you're not probably going to get from a profile. And so sometimes I think Having that information can encourage people to prioritize things that maybe don't matter as much as they actually think that they do. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I remembered a story specifically related to politics. I was I was on a, a first date and some, but we had been you know messaging for you know a couple weeks, and so she theoretically she got to know me, and then you know, in the middle of the date, she's like, well, you didn't vote for Trump, did you? Now, full disclosure, did not vote for for Trump. (laughs) But but it was shocking to me that rather than add up the incremental information that she got about my character and my preferences and the way I interact with people and what I believe that she put it implied that she was putting a ton of weight into that one question in person mm-hmm. and it it shocked me and it made me think that you know that that part of the reason why some people might struggle is by sort of overweighing these like yes or no type things absolutely yeah absolutely and i mean part of it is just I mean, when I've when I've talked to people who have ended up in long term relationships from these platforms, one question that I like to ask is how they knew they were compatible with their partner. Like, what was the information that helped Uh you make that determination? And people aren't pointing to things like that. Like they're talking about how that person supports them, how they show up for them. Like they're talking about more qualities that you wouldn't really know about somebody without having a conversation with them. They're not necessarily talking about, you know, the types of information, like what you're describing that people might pull up of a profile. And so again, like, I think it's really important to consider what you're looking for and also what is really going to matter to you in the long run um, Mm -hmm. and what things you can live with and what things are truly deal breakers. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the transition process uh, from the chatting via message. You know, typically online dating is a, a certain amount of messaging that goes back and forth. But of course, at some point, it has to lead to an in-person date. Um, I have talked with a lot of women about this recently, and I keep hearing about this trend that a lot of men are willing to engage in these messaging processes and then they're very reluctant to actually make the dating plans like they they message too long to the point where women are are like actually putting in their profile like I'm not looking for a pen pal now I've I personally I've encountered both 
scenarios where some women want to message a little bit longer. Some just want to meet up and sort of get that in-person date out of the way. Um, but could you talk a little bit about uh, the things that you might want to keep in mind uh, as you're transitioning from the online get to know you phase to the in-person phase? Yeah. And I think there could be a couple of things that are contributing um, to what you're describing where people are chatting and they're not really active about taking it to the next level and actually meeting somebody. I mean, I think that one thing that could be contributing to that is that it's a little harder to gauge interest when you're just talking to somebody through text. So in person, you can kind of get a sense when you're having a conversation, if somebody's into you, if they're, you know, maybe interested in seeing you again, like you look at their nonverbals, when you make a joke, you look to see if they laughed, like you pick up on those things. Online, it's more difficult. Like you make a joke and they say, LOL, but you don't know if that joke landed. Like it, it can take longer to figure out if they're actually interested in you. And I think that people are afraid of rejection and afraid of putting themselves out there. And they don't really want to ask somebody out on a date if that person's not ready to actually agree to meet up with them. So I think that could be part of it. I think another part of it could also be that they're potentially just ambivalent about meeting. And I think that people have different thresholds for what it will take for them to meet somebody offline. And for some people, they're okay to swipe and meet up with somebody that same day. But for others, they really want to take the time to get to know somebody so they feel safe or they feel like it's worth them driving across town to meet this person. And so for some people, this can be like a pretty big milestone. And there's a lot of people who never actually meet somebody from online dating. Like they're matching and they're talking to people, but they're not necessarily going on a lot of dates. And so I think it could also be that some people just... um they're not necessarily as eager to meet face-to-face -face unless they're pretty sure that they like the person. And so for that reason, it could be taking a little longer. Now yeah. that being yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend yeah. that approach, like the pen pal approach. I mean, it's not necessarily a good strategy, but I do think it's something that happens a lot in online dating. Well, and you also have I mean, you have a wide variety of mate values um, in online dating. And, uh, you know, one of the thoughts that I had around that is that, I mean, if you look at the population of men, um, you know, there are, you know, not to sugarcoat it at all, there are a lot of what you might consider ineffectual males that have exceedingly low experience in intimacy with women and it's a lot easier to set up a profile and and click and read and and send a text than it is to approach someone at a bar uh, or a restaurant so you get a selective sample um in terms of the people that are reaching out and and maybe that's maybe that's con also contributing to uh to the you know the the extended messaging back and forth. I'm not sure. That's just sort of the speculation. No, absolutely. I mean, I think there could be a selection effect happening here too, where if you are a person who's really afraid of rejection, it makes sense that you would be on a dating app in the first place, because when you match with hmm. somebody 
and you start messaging, you already know that person's interested. So you're not really having to put yourself out there the same way that you would if you were to approach somebody in person. So if you're ending up with a lot of people that are really afraid of rejection, what does that look like when you're messaging? It could look like somebody just really waiting a long time and wanting to be absolutely sure this person's interested before they're willing to ask them out. So to to cap our conversation, uh, I know that a lot of your work sort of focused on these like indicators of long-term success. So you've done work with couples that 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 uh, that were married and met through online dating. Um, do you have any closing thoughts about what you've learned about what what leads to success uh, in online dating? Yeah, so I've studied online dating through all of its various stages from when people are setting up profiles to when they're matching, meeting for first dates, all the way through marriage and when they actually end up in long-term relationships. And something that I've observed is that when people are swiping, the things that they swipe on are not always the things that make them successful in the long run. So for example, one thing I hear about a lot is like a height requirement where, you know, people go on to a dating app and they're unwilling to date somebody outside of a certain range in terms of height to the point where people feel like they have to put this information in their profiles because they know that somebody's going to ask them. And that information, like when I talk to people who are in long-term committed relationships, like they're not telling me that the reason they chose their partner was because of how tall they were, or even some of the other things that people emphasize in profiles, like how much money somebody makes or where they went to school or what they do for a living. Like those aren't the things that people bring up. So when I ask them, like, how did you know you were compatible with your partner? They talk about the intangible qualities of that other person, things they bring to the relationship. Like they talk about how supportive they are. They talk about how they make them feel valued. They talk about these qualities that I often don't hear people bring up when they tell me how they're choosing partners based on profiles. And so I think it's important to keep in mind that some of the information that you're getting early on, like it might not necessarily be what ends up mattering to you in the long run. And part of it's also those things take time to gauge, but opening yourself up to meeting different types of people, maybe people who don't necessarily fit with your wish list, because sometimes it's those individuals that you end up really hitting it off with. Well, if you've, if you've never signed up for an online dating profile and you've been contemplating. I hope, I hope this conversation pushes you over the edge. Uh, there's always a million reasons not to sign up. You know, you're you're not ready. You're too busy. But um, I I consider my experiences uh, through online dating all worth it. I've had multiple long term relationships through it. So uh, hopefully, hopefully this will inspire some some folks to to jump into the cold water and and give it a try. Uh, thank you so much for being on today, Liesl Sharabi. Thanks so much. For more on Liesl, visit her blog on psychologytoday.com entitled Dating in the Digital Age.
If you enjoy this podcast, please share an episode with two of your friends. Follow the Why Do We Do That Facebook page for updates and additional content. Don't forget to rate and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Instagram at Why Do We Do That Podcast or Twitter at WDWDTPod. As always, feel free to email me with comments or guest suggestions at why do we do that podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Dr. Ryan Moyer, hoping you found some answers to the question, why do we do that? <laughs>